welcome to Conversations About Life. Good morning, Pat and Beth, and thank you for being a part of my podcast. And this is Conversations About Life. And basically, we can talk about whatever we want to. A lot of times I'll ask my guests about their fundamental beliefs and life experiences and things like that. But, you know, the conversation could go just wherever. So thanks for being here. And just to get started, um, I guess I'll just ask you a little bit about yourselves. So you're a pastor, Pat, right? Correct. Okay. And you're um, both from... um, like Hawaii, uh, Beth? Correct. And then Pat from Samoa? Yes. Okay. And then just what else about yourselves? Just what are you all about? I uh, moved here to go to school back in 2001. Okay. I attended school in northwest Alabama. Um, moved straight from Samoa. Uh, Beth and I... Uh, met in Samoa in 99, and then uh, she moved back to Hawaii to finish her schooling, and then she and I got married in 04 in Hawaii, and then she moved to Alabama where I was finishing up my studies. What were you studying, like to be... Theology, yeah. Theology, okay. And uh, so after my, my studies in 06, she and I moved to Samoa. That was our plan to live in Samoa, and we managed that until we moved back and uh, landed in Alabama in '09, February of '09, and then an opportunity opened up in Festus. Okay. Uh, the church there at Festus, Twin City Church, and so we moved to, to Festus in September, 29 of 2009. Okay. And. Uh, We've been there since. Okay. And we've loved it. So our first daughter, we have two girls. One is uh, 14, the other is 11. The 14-year-old was born in Samoa. And the 11-year-old was born in our apartment in Festus. In your apartment? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Intentionally or was that? Yes. Okay. We had a midwife. I see. Uh, so that was uh, 11 years ago. Okay. So, But we've been there since. What church is it? It's the Twin City Church of Christ. Okay. It's, uh, you take 61 South, uh, make a right at County Road CC, at the light. Okay. And you go down, the, fo- the f- there's a fork, you, you keep straight, and it's to the right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a Church of Christ, mm-hmm. um, what's the, is there anything that distinguishes a Church of Christ from like other Christian churches? Or like, uh, what, how would you describe that? <laughs> Ah, distinguish. Now, if you're a first-time visitor, you would be either appalled or enamored with the uh, the a cappella singing. But we we sing a cappella. Okay. Um, and then, is there a reason for that? Person, for me, I I, I prefer a cappella singing. Yeah. It's voices. Uh, so others will point to a a biblical reality behind it, but. I not all church of Christ are a cappella. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, I think I would almost prefer a cappella, but um, I would have probably like I would probably disagree with someone who 
said there was biblical mm-hmm. reasons for it, but um, I I enjoy just kind of simple music um, that's kind of more lyric based, you know, mm-hmm. focused on the words and so. And so. there's power in people's voices when they all yeah. get together and sing. There's something special about that. <laughs> there is, yeah, that's good. Well, anything, any other way you would distinguish it as like, um, you know, that this is kind of a characteristic of the Church of Christ that's maybe uncommon of other churches? I don't know how uncommon it is, because when you talk about churches, the immediate thought is that we are Bible-believing Jesus followers. Yeah. But... Um, there is a heavy emphasis on just uh, the simplicity of Scripture okay. to guide us. And um, that, that is a discernible reality that you will find within the Church of Christ. The emphasis is on Scripture. Um, outside of that, I think most churches as well uh, will look at leadership primarily from uh, you have the egalitarian and then all of these different conversations. Uh, in, in leadership roles within Church of Christ, it's uh, men. Okay. Mm-hmm. Male leadership. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So you're a pastor and you're raising two girls, uh, one which was born in your apartment. <laughs> Sounds exciting. Um, so... I guess, how did uh, Christianity start for you guys? Is it something that's always been a part of your life? or I grew up in the church. Um, my parents were, uh, I guess you'd say, first-generation Christians. Okay. Um, and they just blessed me with being committed and going. And so I got to grow up learning, learning Scripture. And um, um, it was not a secondary but it was it was part of life but kind of on a back burner and of course school education I was gonna go to college um, in uh, my younger years and become a veterinarian and so I had all that college bound and somebody whispered just in my it just said hey how about you do mission work with some of these other guys that I had met and um and that just sparked something in me that God grew. And that's actually how Patrick and I met. Um, I went through a program called AIM in Texas and it's Adventures in Missions. And that was after about two years of university. And so I did that and went to Samoa with seven other college-age youth. Um, And we worked there for about a year and a half to two years. I think I might've been the last one, yeah. Um, And so that's actually how we met. And, um, yeah, that, that just sparked a, a difference rather than career. And what often is emphasized, at least in America, you know, what are you going to do with your life? Instead of the career, what are you going to do with your life? It was, wow, people are so important, you know? <laughs> I mean, I still absolutely love animals and such, but people became an emphasis for me. So I stepped back and um, got a degree in education. I got my master's in education um, but then we had precious children, and um, I am using that education to educate them actually at home right now. Okay, so you're homeschooling. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. So when you all met, um, were you a pastor at that time, Pat? Or no? no, sir. Okay, so th- this was when you before yeah. all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So you, and then you were aiming toward like missions. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Then how did you uh, get into? Um, well, first of all, how did you get into Christianity? Did you grow up in it as well, Pat? I was uh, involved with the Catholic Church okay. growing up. My parents were heavy on the um, Catholic Church. I still remember my dad going to Mass every day. Oh, wow. And in the Catholic Church, it's Monday to Monday, and it's full-blown service. You don't have a, uh, a shortened uh, a service just because it's Monday. And so I served as an altar boy years later, and... Uh, Attended Catholic school all my life, and had a friend there who was a, a uh, member of the Church of Christ, and he kept inviting me to, to come visit him. So I said, man, I, this guy is nagging me. So finally, I, I went with him, and you can imagine it's uh, going—Catholicism uh, primarily one of the biggest uh, religions in Samoa, main ones. Mm-hmm. So I went from thousands member church to a little shack with about 15 people. And I thought this was a joke. <laughs> uh, this, w- w- what is it? But I, at least I fulfilled my responsibility toward my friend, right? Right. Said. But there was something that they did, were doing that caught my eye. They were they just studied scripture and methodically. In the, in, the, in the best way possible, and that was enamoring to me. So I kept going back, and, and eventually um, I thought, now this is, this is really what I, I prefer this. I, I like this. And then other things started coming as a consequence, and I saw the difference in how the simplicity of Scripture and how it was appealing in such a different way. N- nothing elaborate. It was just simple. But yet it's it's taking root, and so I was uh, baptized in May seventh of nineteen ninety five. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then and then I just started uh, attending um, services there, and I met some uh, missionaries who would come through every other year, uh, and they one of them invited me to to attend a wedding for his son who lived in Samoa for about a month, and he and I became close. Mm-hmm. And before he left, he said, hey, I want you to be in my wedding. So that was in 2000. And while I was here for a month in Tennessee, uh, I visited different schools. But in the first one I went to, had an opportunity to attend that school. So I went back to Samoa, and, after, uh, and then the following year, I moved to Florence, Alabama, and started there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, what led you to want to get into pastoring? I think it was, it, I did not have a Samuel moment. <laughs> I, yeah. the, I wanted something completely different. I knew I just wanted to be a part of the church, to be active, to be able to teach, to do whatever. Mm-hmm. And the, when that opportunity opened up, I thought, well, maybe this is something I could pursue and and. The more I got involved, the more I found out that, that there was a deeper need, not just for teaching, but to get into people's lives and to, to establish relationships from that standpoint. And I felt like I had a, a, a gift to connect with people, to, to, to be blessed and to bless. And so 
it just worked out that way. Okay. Do you, and do you enjoy pastoring? I love. I love doing what I do. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I think that um, I've learned a lot. I've I've been humbled a lot. I've been challenged a lot, but I have loved it as well. So what about Catholicism? Are your parents still in that? Mom is still in. Yeah. Okay. My father passed away in 84. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then what are your thoughts about the Roman Catholic faith having been in, in it, but now you're a Protestant? Like, um, do you look upon it like favorably? Of course, it's not your preference now, of course. Mm-hmm. Or do you um, look upon it like with really significant problems? Or just what are your thoughts about that? There are problems with the Catholic Church, and uh, uh, biblically speaking, but the, in Samoa especially, the, the, the whole service was elaborate. And maybe it's because I'm just a simple person, mm-hmm. but when the, the elaborate takes over from Scripture and its simplicity, I think too much time is devoted to um, other things besides just the the the, the beauty of scripture. Um, so, a couple of things I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, one of like the how um, elaborate, like just um, you seem to like simplicity, like uh, <laughs> the keeping things simple, huh? Yeah, I, that's what caught my attention. Yeah, it's like I think. The elaborate should be how much time we devote to scripture. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not the right. nuances, not the 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 different um, uh, functions and how church service ought to proceed. Um, because they they started intertwining and and weaving in cultural practices as well to to amplify the service. And so you have very little time for study, but a lot of time to embrace everything else. And that was just something I wasn't... After discovering so much about Scripture that is not being taught mm-hmm. when, when it should be taught, when it should be emphasized, I thought, yeah, maybe, maybe we could do less of this and more of this. So they were incorporating aspects of culture mm-hmm. of their what mm-hmm. like what kind of um, you have an example of that? Um, they they would bring in um, so it's sort of like there, there are a lot of different ways the Samoan culture welcomes people and and involves how um, different aspects uh, take take form. So if you visit Samoa, they will welcome you with a kava ceremony like so. You have all of these people welcoming you, and and then they honor certain people. So they bring that into the church by say they honor Jesus, but it's just it's it's through the culture, and it has nothing to do with scripture. Hmm. Okay, absolutely nothing. And so you'll spend thirty minutes doing that, and while it's nice, while it's uh, aesthetically speaking, it's it's pretty awesome, but again. Where's scripture? Okay. Um, well, then you came and studied theology. Like, what kind of school was it 
Um, it's a it's Heritage Christian University. Okay, and mm-hmm. is it like it's a in, Church of Christ yes. type of school? Okay, mm-hmm. I see. Yeah, and, in Florence, Alabama. Okay, and then in studying like uh, theology for becoming a pastor, do you learn like the original languages? And yes. All of that? Okay. Yeah. Not that I'm an expert, but okay. uh, yeah, I yeah, uh, they yeah Hebrews, Greek, all okay. of that, mm-hmm. right? Which was incredible to me since I, I um, so they, they have English classes the whole uh, English had had to did math did English did history did science did all of that and on top of that um, the biblical classes okay mm-hmm. philosophy and my little brain couldn't absorb all of it um, but it was it was fun it was fun it was difficult Especially um, uh, with English being my second language, so I was having to learn English, understand English better, while also having to learn Hebrew and Greek. <laughs> right. And and through English. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I had someone ask me, so how do you process information? Do you process them in Samoan and then speak it out in English? So, so if I were to ask you a question, do you hear it in Samoan, process it then, and then spew it out in English? I'm like, man, that's just, just like exhausting. <laughs> that's yeah. just, so, but it was fun. So, you know, just for you guys, what is, you know, your connection with God like? Like, what does it feel like, and how do you experience, like, a relationship with God? Just have any thoughts about any of that? Um, my basis is God's Word. Um, I think it's my avenue to, to learn about who He is, and it's so important. You know, we can learn all the this and that's and what He commands, and, but it's the nature of God and who He is that I just I f- have completely fallen in love with. And um, when I open up Scripture, you get to see more and more about the heart of God. And He is... To be completely trusted. Yeah, and, and I love that. I love that about Scripture. So then, when you do study Scripture, and I think that's that foundation, then you take that into life, and you sometimes you fail at um, trying out His commands and obeying them, and sometimes you don't. But both times, you're learning that He knew best, and that what He says is true, and He is faithful, and He's always there. And I just, yeah, I think that's... So it's, you go from... His word to experiences, and whatever that might be, um, whether it's teaching others, whether it's you know just living your life, serving, um, even even throughout nature and everything. It's just he's he's phenomenal about how much he's written written his, himself into the world and into our hearts. It's amazing. So a lot of it comes from the Bible. Yes, and then um, and then learning the nature of God, what He's like. Yeah. And then as you try to live out commandments, you're seeing your kind of experiencing. Yes, because if I don't start the basis with his word and his truth, I then am in control of who he is. And that really starts to mess things up because, well, I think God would be okay with this. Or I think God would, right? I mean, my mind can do that very easily. And I imagine everybody's minds probably can. And so instead of that wavering, I always want to base base it on his truth and what he's saying and then from there <laughs> from there go <laughs> okay 
you have anything? Any thoughts, Pat? For me, it's and what I've learned from Scripture, and, and the scary part is I've learned very little uh, up to this point. But yet that um, knowledge has really made a distinguishable difference in the way I live my life. So, for example, if, if I don't base everything on the, ba- on the premise that God is in control and that my life is so much better with Him, I can tell the difference. Um, whether it's in the way I perform my my responsibilities, whether as as a as a uh, person who teaches God's word, or as a person who um, takes care of my family, being a husband, there's a big difference in how I function in those roles. When when I study Scripture for the sake of studying Scripture versus studying Scripture and absorbing what it says. And there's a big difference. And the scary part is I know so little. Can you imagine then the more you learn about Scripture and how much better I will be in functioning, in terms of functioning in those different capacities? I'm going to speak on, um, I'm starting a new series called Gen Rev tomorrow at church. It's from Genesis to Revelation. I'm going to preach a lesson from each book. And uh, I told the, the folks, uh, if I'm a betting person, I'd say it'll go into next year. So, uh, but I'm gonna. Uh, I picked Joseph up out of Genesis to speak on tomorrow, uh, and and the key thing that he said in chapter 39 was, "How can I do this with you, Potiphar's wife, and sin against my God?" And Everyone who came before Joseph failed in some way because they did not ask that question. How can I do it? Because you don't do it to save face. You don't do it because of your spouse. You don't do it because of your kids. You don't do it because you might lose your job. right? You do it because of God. And, And that's the premise. When I do things my way, I mess up. And I have 100% record to show for that. And so the, the goal is trying to, to understand and believe that his ways are so much better than my ways. Do you got an example of like his ways, like anything you can think of and like now that's going on in your life or recent history where there was a way set out his ways and you needed to learn that because you were doing something different? I think it's just connecting what what I see in Scripture. So one thing, it's one thing to to know and to learn Scripture how to be, my responsibility as a father, for example. And oftentimes I would reject Beth when she would uh, tell me or point something out that I'm not functioning, um, when I'm not functioning as a father. And so I see that now. I'm like, I always in the past tried to, to, to pass off my responsibility as, well, this is what I need to do. This is what I got to do. And then God will be proud of me. Now, I, w- I have to ask, okay, how does God see this role that I'm trying to perform? And when I, when I think first about that, it seems to go well, the consequence. When I don't, it, it's all on me. 
And that never works. And I fail in so many ways when it comes to that. And Beth will, will gladly tell you that, not to point out my frailties. But that's something that I've seen in my life. Uh, trying to do things based on what I, how I see it versus how, how God sees it so as to make a, a discernible difference. Okay. I mean, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I understand what you're saying. Like, um, it's almost like living before the face of God, like um, being cognizant of mm-hmm. that you're in His presence and that you're doing things as unto Him as He would want it and so forth. And, and it's the same thing, too. It, there's a... And the way I interact with the congregants uh, is more personal now than before. I see them not not as congregants. I see them as brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so my responsibility toward them should be forged along those lines. Not that they come to church, but that they are made in the image of God. And then it helps me understand how to treat them. Um, so when I'm speaking with someone who is having a difficult time with, in their marriage, and it's always striking when I say, I want you to think about this. Don't think of them as your husband mm-hmm. or spouse. But what would you do if you thought first that they were... Um, that that they are that they are a brother or sister in Christ. How how would that make a difference, in in the way you're trying to discern whether to forgive them or not, or whether to 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 take it to the next level, whatever, right? And and it always sort of like causes a pause, because we don't when when things are heated, it's it's like this is wife and husband going at it, right? Yeah. We're just going at it. But there's a difference when you think first. No, this person's made in the image of God. He is a brother in Christ first. So if you're willing to forgive a brother in Christ, how is it that now you're having a difficult time forgiving your spouse? Yeah. Yeah, With in marriage, the lives are so intertwined <laughs> and, and things get so messy. And uh, like when you ask yourself that question, I think it causes you just to step back and look at them in a little bit of a different way, perhaps, and separate from all that mm-hmm. messiness for just a bit. You know? mm-hmm. um, well, just either of you, like, how would you put the Christian call? Like, what is Jesus, you know, calling us to, or the Christian faith? Basically, it's like saying, and what is it, how would you put that, would you say? Like, I'm thinking of Dietrich Bon, I think it's him who said um, Jesus calls us to come and die or something. <laughs> so that's like one way to think of it that's kind of radical. Um, and I think there might be something to that. But um, I don't know. Do you do you all have any thoughts about like what are, you know, is humanity being called to? You know, that call comes to us and what is it? to glorify God with our lives. And so in that, you have to learn who he is and what he is pleased with. Um, But then we don't have to totally compartmentalize it either and box it in. You know, whatever gifts he's given you, whatever, um, even your personality, although 
oftentimes personalities need to be honed in as well. Whatever that is, it can all be used for the glory of God. And, and I think it is. It's to glorify God. I think that's why we were made perfect in Eden, connected with him. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think sin messed that up, but we still, we have that, that struggle. But in it, when we do glorify God, we're completely blessed by it. Um, I know when I grew up, I have a stronger personality. If, if Ellie's talked to you at all, she knows, <laughs> she shared that. <laughs> and I have the, um, speaking of a perfect example, I still be quick to hear and slow to listen. That'll probably be my struggle until the end of my days, but I, I work on that. Oh, for, a, for just a physical example of what God says to do. But what I do usually is I'm quick to speak and slow to listen, and then I have to stumble back to, wait, now tell me. I'm sorry. <laughs> what, what was it? <laughs> There's that, that example. But, um, but yeah, just in glorifying God, I grew up, you know, stronger personality, and you read about wives being, or not even wives, women being quiet, right? That gentle spirit. And, oh, I, I would feel almost bad about who I was until I learned learned about other personalities in scripture but in in just Christian history too and you're going okay so it needs to be I need to be honed <laughs> honed in and molded into Christ's um, image but not necessarily I'm just plain wrong I was made wrong or anything does that make sense right so that you? anything whoever you are you you can glorify God right where you're not just Denying your personality right. either. You're right. being who you are, but yes. letting yes. yourself be shaped by God. Mm-hmm. So when you say glorify God, like just what does that look like for you or what do in, you in all of it, in relationship, in everyday task. I mean, even, I've even learned, you know, when you're just doing those mundane things, you can do it with a grumpy, bitter spirit, um, sweeping the kitchen floor for the, you know, fourth time in the day or whatever it might be, or um, washing dishes or laundry or um, just any of those tasks. I can grumble about it or I can think, you know, just, I don't know, you know, empty, you know, or bitter thoughts or whatever it might be, or... I can take it for what it is that I'm living on this earth, doing these things, and that anything that I do, if I'm doing it for the right reason and with the right heart, that it's glorifying to God. It's a really freeing thing when you think about that, because then it's not just compartmented to, oh, well, you know, if you help that non-Christian learn about God, or if you, you know, it's everything that we do that glorifies God. Is Well, I mean, <laughs> within his will, of course, but, <laughs> but right. we can, we can have the opportunity to. Okay. So glorifying God for you, what you're referring to is... Um like just the way we're going through through life just and doing life, it, yeah. whether yes. it's you know whether it's and just art, how we do things, singing, anything, any task that we're doing, um, and of course within you know God's will and what His commands are, but but yes, it can it can be all of it, which is so nice. Kind of like um, living for the purpose of um, pleasing Him, or just in being aware of that you're doing that for him or something along those lines. Okay. Um, you have anything to add to that? I have realized that it's okay to be broken and I am broken in so many ways. 
And as a, as a uh, person who um, gets up and speaks, and there's a certain, I don't want to say bravado, but there's a certain mentality that goes with that. And it's ego-driven mm-hmm. if I'm not careful. And so you have the Jekyll and Hyde personality. I am this person at church around my congregants and then I'm this person at home and and unfortunately my girls have seen the worst of me while the congregation had probably seen the best of me and merging those two things sincerely has been a struggle Uh, I I, I realize in the past I didn't want to talk about that because I really just wanted to be this person but now my girls would they they have a front row seat to how my mind works and they have offered grace more than they should uh in 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 so many different ways and i'm thankful for that and the only thing i can credit that to is 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 god in their lives <laughs> that is functioning better than the god in my life because i'm involved and and i get in the way so you're pretty transparent in what's going on through your in your life. I, I guess. tried to be now yeah. more so than before. Yeah, uh, I uh, I think it was uh, Malcolm Muggridge who said the depravity of man is at once the most empirically verifiable fact, <laughs> yeah. at the same time the most intellectually resisted. Hmm. And so you see all of these machinations, all of these different. You, you have something cerebral that connects after the visceral, right? So. Coming in and trying to say, "Hey, this is this is how it ought to be, and and this is how it should be," because it's frustrating. It, ministry can be very frustrating, which is ironic. You hear ministry, and you're like, "These are people who are connected with God," but in ministry, it can get ugly. It can get uh, uh, challenging. It can get feisty, and get all of these different things. Uh, I think John Piper's heavy on on what it means to live a hedonistic life for God. Uh, And I think of Moses when he said, when he dared God, I'm not going to go unless you show me your glory, right? And then God said, okay, you can see my backside. Um, And that was enough. Hit him in the cleft. And then in John chapter 1, he tells us that, that the glory of God is now in Christ, verse 14. And so you see... All of these things come full circle. And if you're not careful, you, you'll miss it. And it's simple. And, and it basically comes down to the same thing from, from the Old Testament into the New Testament. I, I would rather obedience than sacrifice. Because that's what it comes down to. And we live in a challenging world, in a challenging time. Last year, it's even more challenging. It has given license to some Christians to to do other things, while it has given license to some Christians to say, let's be more radical, right? Because the virus didn't change us. It shouldn't change us. Christ, has been, he was the same yesterday, the same today, the same tomorrow. But how do you navigate those waves? How do you navigate those currents while still uh, maintaining a Christ-like focus instead of being prideful, instead of being uh, boastful? So it's, it's an ongoing uh, uh, situation that, that has wonderful consequences if, if I'm obedient. 
Let me ask you about this, seeing your background is kind of like, like the simplicity of the scripture, and yet you've been through like theology mm-hmm. and I guess maybe like biblical studies and stuff like that. Um, so the scripture does seem like really simplistic on one hand, where you can just read the words and they just can resonate with you and mm-hmm. they can change a person's life. God works through those words. And yet, it's ancient, you know, and it's from a, a different culture. And, um, and like, so lately I've been reading a um, commentary on Genesis written by John Walton. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with him? Okay. So he's into, like, the different cultures that were contemporary to the Hebrews at that time. And they had their own stories and stuff. And he taught... He talks about how in Genesis in some way is like a response, like a contrast to what the other nations' creation myths were like and so forth, Mm -hmm. and what their gods were like, and like, this is what our God is like, something along those lines. And then he, um, uh, I don't know if it was from him or someone else um, referring to Genesis, like perhaps it's like a, a temple narrative, like putting everything in order, and then on the seventh day, you know, God enters in and takes up rain or or something along those lines. So on one hand, there's like that simplicity. On the other hand, there's just a lot of studying and, you know, stuff that needs to be done so that we're not getting like the wrong message or, um, or understanding things correctly. I mean, if we just take things, um, just as they appear to us, we're going like, something written thousands of years ago to just right here where I am. Mm-hmm. And we could be kind of thinking something quite a bit different than just what the mm-hmm. original author was trying to get across. So you have any thoughts about just um, all of, all of, do you see value in both? Do you see any problems with either, you know, like a more biblical studies approach or a more of just the simple plain reading approach or any of that? I think there are useful, they are useful tools. I am a history person. I think in another life, if I were a cat, I'd come back as a history teacher. Okay. I love history. I didn't know that until um, I started reading into it and studying it. Yeah. Um, so, simplicity of scripture is the idea that if, if, if the Bible says God loves you, then I don't have to go and read C.S. Lewis to find out the four loves. Yeah. And then determine, okay, so what does God mean when he says he loves me, right? If, if the Bible says he loves you, he loves you. Now, if you want to enhance that, then the four loves of Lewis will come in handy. Understanding mm-hmm. agape and eros and, and storge and phileo. Mm-hmm. So, and if you want to get even deeper... Understanding how those different forms of love is used in Scripture will enhance the chapter or, or at least the, the storyline that you're reading and looking at it from that standpoint. If you really want to go in deeper, then you would read someone like a John Walton who is noted. I mean, the man has studied New Old Testament for years and he's taught that. And uh, recently, he and William Lynn Craig have gotten into a back and forth oh, really? on creation. 
Okay. On wow. just the difference in creation and how yeah. John Walton sees creation, how William Lane Craig, and these are doctors. I mean, Lane Craig is a double doctorate, hmm. uh, and, and Walton has, has a doctorate, and they don't agree on that. And I'm left to, with my little mind trying to understand all of that. But that bigger point is there is, and that's where Bible study comes in, because you really just you look at Scripture and it guides you to God. And, but then you look at history and all of the different occurrences that, that have taken place in the civilizations and, and what they worshipped and what they honored. And then look at the Hebrew uh, uh, history and, and bring all of that into play and how all of that was fashioned by God in such a way that they, that they would weave their story into the Bible story. And how Jesus' story makes sense of some of that story. So Paul, t- talking to the Corinthians, emphasized when you look at history, uh, the Hebrews favored and valued light very much. A lot of their, th- their thinking had to do with light. Um, the Greeks valued um, knowledge. And so you look at how all of that played a role in, in what they what they were about, uh, the conquest of Alexander the Great, for example, uh, how he made sure that there would be libraries wherever they conquered. Um, and then for the, um, the Romans, they were all about glory. I mean, everything about the Romans were glory. And yet, you see God bring someone like a Paul, who was a Hebrew, but was also uh, uh, someone who was a Roman, and you look at the conquest in that and how everything that he was about had to do with glory hmm. and had to do with light and had to do with, with, with knowledge, right? So here's this one vessel, for example, and yet three civilizations are woven into that one character. And, and only God could do, pull something off like that. I mean, this man was educated, he was well-versed in the Hebrew culture, but also he was well-versed in understanding how the Romans uh, uh, operated. And then he was knowledgeable, something that the Greeks valued very much. And what did God do with him? He told Ananias that you're going to have to go and baptize this guy and tell him that I'm going to send him to suffer. I mean, imagine Hmm. getting that, Mm -hmm. right? Hey, I've got word for you. After he got over his fear, God has anointed you to go and suffer for him. And what did Paul say? Yes. What took him so long, right? And so he went into Asia. And he said, man, I have nowhere else to go in Asia. I want to go to Spain. But before that, I want to come through Rome. He was the vessel that God sent throughout the world. Now, if, if we just stick with the simplicity of Scripture, we miss out on all of those background information. <laughs> which only enhances how God's impact in their lives is played out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paul seemed to um, have saw, seen something in Jesus as like the fulfillment of uh, that. It's just not necessarily obvious to me. Like in 1 Corinthians 15, he talks about he, um, Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, mm-hmm. and he was rose again in accordance mm-hmm. Well, I don't think he was mainly uh, like uh, saying, we'll go back and look at the scriptures for like something that says Jesus died. But somehow in the stories and everything, it all fit together Mm -hmm. with him in a way 
that I'd still like to gain because I, I think that, like what you're saying, he did have these different perspectives that probably surely helped him to mm-hmm. see that um, maybe even his ability just to meditate on Scripture and understand it and see how it all fits together in ways where I might just kind of not look at it that in such a rich way. I'm not sure about that. but mm-hmm. And there are people who are... Um, they're not fans of going deeper into the different studies and the different histories. Mm-hmm. But man, we're, you're going to miss out on the totality of the story. Mm-hmm. It's so rich. Yeah. Um, well, just either of you, what are you, what are your thoughts about church? Like how to engage in church or how the church ought to function together and stuff like that. Sometimes church seems a little bit too passive for me. Like it's, I go to Sunday school class and I'm kind of listening to a lecture. There might be a little discussion at the end. Then I go into the church service and we do get to cooperate or uh, kind of engage in singing together, but it's all like looking at the backs of people's heads and it's, you know, and, um, and then we're listening to another lecture. So I, don't mean to, you know, like talk negatively about the church experience, but um, I um, I enjoy like engaging and like back and forth, and that you know I guess that's kind of why I do this, you know, um, and I feel uh, you know that I'm you know there's that's not a part of my church experience, um, and um, but you know sometimes it can be in um, in other ways like maybe just having a little bible study or like what you do with the girls and so forth so there's avenues for that but um yeah but the church experience to me seems just not doesn't engage me really well you guys have any thoughts about just how the church functions or should function or just anything like that or how to be a part of the church in a profitable way when it just doesn't really uh, you know, engage. I think just, you know, getting to grow up, having the blessing of growing up in the church and everything. Um, of course, it was common, not, and I don't mean common in a bland sort of way, but common to my mind. Um, so I didn't have an issue with it. Maybe much like you could connect like public school, you sit there. And so that's just what you do. Yeah. But more and more, I, I know that we have that precious time together on Sunday morning, but I think sometimes so much focus is on the few hours on the Sunday morning when there's so much more, like you said, to the church experience, where you can be involved in the church and in your brothers and sisters' lives, not just on that one hour. So, I I mean, that's just maybe my, my one take with that is that, you know, there's so much more time that we have seven days a week. Yeah. That, that we can have to to experience in that. I don't know. <laughs> right. I realize what I'm doing is like I'm putting down ice cream to the ice cream salesman. Right, 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 no, right, no, no. Yes. Now, if, if you figure that out, let us know. Yeah. But there, there was a, you know, in Hebrews 10, we're told to, to come together, that the yeah. purpose of coming together. Now, before, in verse 25, not forsaking the assembly, has always been used as a hammer to to beat down on people who miss church. 
Mm-hmm. That was always used in Hebrews 10, 25. But we miss out on 24 and the preceding verses that gives the reason why we shouldn't miss. And the reason why we shouldn't miss is when we come together, we encourage one another. We enhance one another. We sharpen one another. We, we, we hold each other accountable. All of these different things done through the name of Jesus. And I think it's been traditionally accepted that we go to church and then we go home. Sort of like the same thing that, that happened with me in the Catholic Church. I went to church. You don't go to church. You are the church going to, to interact with other like-minded folks. Where else would you conveniently meet people who share your same passion, same value, same belief system, and then pick each other's brains, right, to, to, to help each other out? And then as you go out in, during the week, that Sunday has already forged something in you to help you make it through the week. But I think our understanding traditionally is we just go to church on Sunday and then we do our stuff on Monday to to Saturday. But as Beth pointed out, what we've been trying to, to teach and to do at church is to show them that Mondays to Saturday is just as important as Sunday. In that, you reach out. So yesterday, I, uh, I, I went out and met a, a, a preacher friend of mine up in Arnold from down south. He called me and said, hey, I'm going to be in town. So I went there, and then on my way back, I went and visited another uh, congregant to drop something off and just visit with him. And he, and he told me that his daughter had had a seizure just yesterday at school. Wow. And so I know that... It kept me from being home sooner than I had expected. But that's what it means to do church. And, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer has a book, a really powerful book, Life Together, that just talks about what it means to do life together. Hmm. Um, we have traditionally understood that you go to church and then you go home. But when you go home, that's just an extension of church. But because we live such busy lives, we can't even... We don't even have time even on Sundays to go to church anymore. <laughs> so th- th- there's so much that's going on that, that has gotten in the way of doing church. Church is where we traditionally go to teach to be taught. And that should never change, right? And, there, and, 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 and the reason we yearn for, for time together interactions and all of this is because we're not doing it throughout the week. Hmm. Right. So Sundays is when we go to learn. And if you have opportunity, Beth and I used to have people come over on Sundays after service mm-hmm. uh, once a month just to, to, to have supper with them or dinner. We can do so much more I understand that sometimes people in their homes are sacred, but you have to work on work something out where you can function with your congregants, with your church members outside of the building. Otherwise, it's just in the, at the building and it's frustrating. And it is true. It can be very frustrating. Mm-hmm. We've been there now 12 years. And one of my goals is to have everyone go greet a visitor. Mm-hmm. It's still the same people who go <laughs> greet the visitors. Yeah. 
does is that mean because is that because the others don't care? No, they just they they are who they are. I can't foist anything on them that they are not willing to do, mm-hmm. and so it's sort of like you have to be consciously aware that my responsibility is to persuade. Yeah, seems like you could make a case for being geogra- living geographically close. If you want to live that way, because that would help out a whole lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the Catholic um, Church, they have like the parish system, right. which kind of means all their members right. are kind of geographically close, mm-hmm. whereas we we base our church preference more on people who think a lot like us. Right. Mm-hmm. So we could be coming from distances and stuff, True. which makes it a little difficult right? Yeah. and yeah. challenging. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, we have people who live in Festus, who used to go to our church. I mean, attend Twin City, who now go to Church of Christ in Arnold. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they drive right past the church. Well, <laughs> yeah. But and if you're talking parish setup, no, that's where you go. <laughs> right. Right. You you live in Festus. You go to church in Festus. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um. Has there been anything that's just impacted your life, like a person or a book or something that really has changed course for you all? For me, it was one of my professors in college. Okay. I had him come down uh, in 19. He's um, Dr. David Warren. He was uh, educated at Harvard. And I was always so enthralled with uh, the reality that, that this guy went to Harvard, yeah. and, uh, and yet he's so um, approachable. What did he teach? He taught uh, New Testament systematic theology. Okay. And uh, so just his love for learning really changed my direction. I, mm-hmm. I, I was satisfied with getting by. Mm-hmm. And then seeing him and the hours that he put in to prepare for class. I lived on campus. I could see his office mm. from my dorm room mm-hmm. and that light would be on all night long, mm. all night long. And I wouldn't, I wake up in the morning, I'd see him about 6.30, take off to go home, shower, breakfast, and then come back and, and, and uh, taught mm. at eight o'clock to teach at eight. Mm. I thought, this guy, this guy, he's, he has a doctorate, educated at Harvard, and he feels the need to still open the books so that when he teaches it, when he comes to teach every day, that it, it's because he loved the Lord so much that he wanted his students to see that and to understand that. And it really changed my approach. And unfortunately, I was toward the end of my studies, but I did really well from that point on. Yeah. Um, so from that standpoint... It, he convinced me that that even if, if if you don't like learning, but if you love God, you're gonna you're gonna want to love learning, right? Because you're learning about Him, and so that just opened my eyes to to understand that there's so much more than just opening the book. It, it, what's the basis for opening the book? Is to understand God, and what better thing to do? Yeah. 
I have. There was a, when I was still living in Hawaii, and I was actually in college, I believe, at the university, and a youth group came of all kids younger than me. Um, I want to say most of them, not even in the upper levels of high school, a few of them, but most of them not that. And, you know, we knew they were coming. Hawaii congregations are generally small, you know, and so we were excited, and they blew me away with their focus and their love for God, um, love for each other, and love for those that they hadn't even known, and how much they could just step out of their comfort zone, um, and that they were younger than me. That blew me away, and that was part of my, maybe I could do more, you know, maybe I could do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I have to say, Corey Ten Boom, just hmm. her life story, The Hiding Place, reading that, just, again, it's like I've met people that have driven me deeper, deeper right. to deeper in my faith and everything just yeah just amazing and and I could relate to her a little bit with you know not she I think she says in her book about not really wanting to dress fancy or anything like that I'm like I, I can relate to all of that so yeah are <laughs> she you, was relatable are you guys surfers no no I've, no. Asked, I've been asked that a lot yes I have to I always say no it's too dangerous <laughs> My little brother did, yeah, and, and he would always come home with a cut here, or there. Yes, oh, yeah. yeah, coral mm-hmm. cuts are coral, the right. worst. Yeah. <laughs> most most everyone to find out I'm Samoan is literally they'll look me up and down. I kid you not, and then they'll say, "You're small for Samoan." <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have a comeback for that. I'm like, I'm sorry, I disappoint you. <laughs> I'm not a football player. <laughs> I went to Buckeye uh, two days ago to buy something, and uh, and uh, the guy helping me, he looked at me and he said, "You Hawaiian or someone?" Hmm. I was like, "Wow, wow!" Yeah. He said, "Well, I lived in California, and I know some someone worse, and they're all cuss words." <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I'm like, "Did you teach him a good one?" <laughs> I'm sorry, man. So I I told him he knew goodbye and hello, uh... but someone in Festus who lived in. Um, in California, interacted with someone. <laughs> yeah. So um, I have this planner, and, I've been, and it, every week it has you um, plan the next week and look back over the previous week and list out three to five wins. And that's been kind of Aww. interesting to me just to think back, and, and it kind of helps me to figure out what's significant to me because I list certain things, and then I think, hey, my, this type of activity must really resonate with me because I list it every time, you know. So, like, if you were doing that, what would you? What types of things would you list? Like, I guess the question is, like, you know, what do you f- do in your, a typical week that seems satisfying to you or significant or something like that? By the way, that's awesome. By the way. Awesome. Yeah. You have answers. I go see people every week, and and that fills my cup. Yeah. Even when it's challenging, it fills my cup. Mm-hmm. And if there's one discernible uh, thing that I do week in, week out, it's that. Uh, I go and sit with people and visit with people, help people, um, do something for them, do something with them. I'm constantly... Uh, cognizant of wanting to be with people and sometimes I know that that can be very challenging for my family because it's time away from them Mm -hmm. 
And I always justify it, and I always win. No, <laughs> but I, I I feel that strongly. Um, when I'm with people, I've heard my wife say this. When when we're with people, her battery drains, my battery gains power. Mm-hmm. Is that like because you're extrovert Pro- compared I would to introvert? Imagine yes. Okay. <laughs> but the irony is that when I'm home, I'm an ex- I'm an introvert. In okay. a way, I. Right. People once, uh, someone once said to Beth, I bet you never get a word out. And she's like, at home. And she said, actually, it's the other way around. Hmm. So I don't know why that is, but I've always been that way. Yeah. So if there's one thing, yes. Um, The other thing that stands out is is the lack of consistency on my part when it comes to to, um, my prayer time. I can't say that for her. She has designated times in the mornings to do that for me i i i I lack in that uh, department Mm -hmm. and that's something i that you will notice on my calendar too um but people play a big part in in what i do and and i love it so when you're visiting people is that people in your congregation yes sir okay and sometimes i've had some folks from from my congregation ask if i could go visit a family member of theirs with whom i have never met okay um and then are you visiting people um, because they're sick or something, or is it just like a regular thing? Like, well, I haven't visited so and so in a while. So both, just, both, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. And um, like, are you wanting to say something? He can, he can go like walk down the street and visit with someone too. And my girls will say he never meets a stranger. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> he meets, he already learns about and knows. <laughs> okay, so even strangers, even people you don't know, you can just connect with, huh? Well, like when you're going to visit somebody. Um, I guess because you're a pastor, that kind of gives you like an in, kind of like you're. This is a part of what you do. Um, how, like, how do you make the visit? Um, is there anything to make the visit profitable or anything? Like, what's a typical visit? Is it like what's important about it? Is it just chatting, just being there? Is it praying with them? Is it something, all of that, or something else? Or? It's all kinds. Okay. Yes. So I can go visit someone who's stricken with cancer, and the conversations are um, about that mm-hmm. and about life, and it's very different when I go visit a couple, and they are, are struggling in their marriage, and it's very different when I go visit someone, a younger family who's just... I see vivacious spirit and and it's it's fun and it's and it's engaging. So it's all kinds and or I go visit someone whose loved one uh, spouse is in the nursing home with Alzheimer's. And so just connecting through that loved one who is in the nursing home through the the spouse who's trying to recall all of these things. I go visit people and, and, and mow their grass. Oh, do you? Or uh, clear <laughs> off the gutters or do something. Um, so I'm, you get there and you just realize there's something needs to be done? And right. Just, okay. And sometimes they'll tell me in advance. Oh. And so I go prepared with, with what I need to take. So you so. you ask them if you can come visit and they say, sure, by the way, would you mow my grass when you're here? Right. <laughs> right. And... And I ask people if I could come do that for them, especially the the older folks. Okay. Um, so wow. I'm very aware of of the different formats that I find myself in, and 
it's humbling when they say, hey, this guy's helped me out a lot. It's unfair because I, because of my position, right? The church enables me to be that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they, they have enabled me to, to be that. So I don't see myself helping them. I see it's just something that I do. It's, it's natural. Yeah. I want to do it. Right. And the church kind of supports you. Yes. That, whereas it might be different for someone else. Who, yes. You know, mm-hmm. working and so forth. But, um, yeah. So um, going go back to the fulfilled, I had to think sure. about it. I'm like, wow, I don't know if I made a list like that. I'm not as organized as you. <laughs> <laughs> I have lists stuck all over the place. Yeah. I would say getting to see the growth in my um, children. Okay. When my children come up with something that isn't just straight from, you know, my words, you know, they haven't just right. repeated what I said, or even if they do and they go, wow, mom. I see now, or something like that. I think that that's extremely fulfilling. Right. That, and although motherhood is always challenging too, I mean, partly just because we don't always have answers and we're not even necessarily supposed, supposed to, and, mm-hmm. um, and we're broken too, which, you know, I remind my girls, if, if nothing, I teach you one lesson that I teach you perfectly is that I am a sinful person. That you know, you know you've got that hands down 100%. You know that. And I hope that that will help them as they grow. But, um, but yes, when they come up with something or, you know, something they've learned, especially if it's from God, it's just that's, that's extremely fulfilling for me. Yeah. Because you pour so much. And then when you get a little bit back, you're like, yay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, well, I guess just to kind of, a, a last question, just to kind of wrap things up is, um, is there anything you've learned in life that you, uh, wish you knew earlier? Like if you were to go back to your, a younger version of yourself and, uh, teach yourself some lesson that you've learned, is there anything in particular that stands out like, um, that you know now that's made a difference and, uh. And you wish you knew that when you were young. Oh, so easy yet so simple. I mean, so difficult. Oh, man, I would say because I think about you know when I was younger and all the all the other things I did, the movies I watched, the TV. You know, I mean, just all of that and how much I could have been pouring into God's Word and and even reading you know Christian biographies and things like that. I yeah. I definitely wish that that world had been open to me. Right. Um, so yeah, I would probably whisper that. <laughs> Whisper right. that into my ear. <laughs> Just about how you're using your time and yes, so forth. Yes, yes. And that right. there, there is so much more. Because I just right. don't think I knew it. Partly growing up in Hawaii, you're kind of isolated a little bit. But then, yeah, yeah. just my, my growing up anyway. Right. Yeah, I think probably. Okay. <laughs> Seeing people as individuals made in the image of God as opposed to being objects. Hmm. And so as to, to enhance conversations enhance uh, interactions okay and the way the way I treated people and all of that because it, it it's appalling and you think about it and so it, it comes back to if if you just follow what God says to do you, you're you're you you 
as you walk, you'd be dripping of wonderful examples, dripping his grace for others to, to, to get a taste of. Because we really don't have that much time. And I see that struggle with parents at church who have kids in school who are involved in everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. And because they're trying to find they're trying to find their footing, they're trying to say, maybe you'll find meaning in this and meaning in that. Mm-hmm. And I always tell them, you can put put them in a thousand different things, but make sure that God is first. Because mm-hmm. then they'll decipher, okay, which ones are 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 helpful and which ones I can do away with who really are not here for it, it really is just a vapor yeah. but yet we think it's it's eternal yeah and so Where's there is identity? nothing more beautiful than a young kid who is respectful and 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 kind and generous and honest hmm. i've always heard those things but i thought now nah, that's for that's for adults if i could go back to my younger self i could tell myself it would have enhanced the way i treated people and interacted with people yeah and and different things you know by the way um i think beth talked about you know you never meet a stranger or you can interact <laughs> with strangers and so forth like um how do you like when you're just walking down the street and you see somebody i mean do you really just interact with that person or do you, or um is there a particular way you go about that if you if you do my girls thought i was uh all knowing yeah. right uh, especially when we go to, to department stores or whatever but i made a conscious effort to look at their name tags and most of the time they're not even aware and so when i say their name they're just like baffled and and some of them is like what do i know you from how do I know you? I was at a gas station uh, waiting in line to go. And now, of course, that's like a million uh, uh, hours, if it, it seems like. So I'm like studying everything. And I, the attendant, he was just busy. Uh, and then when it came to my turn, he, uh, I walked up. He was kind of looking down. And I said his name. And he looked up. And he was like baffled. He's like, how do I know you? And I said, like joking, listen. Well, I just saw your picture at the post office. It's <laughs> terrible. And then I don't know if he was kidding or not, but he looked at me and he said, "Oh yeah, I'm, <laughs> now I'm worried. Now, now I don't get me out of here, yo." But uh, I make a conscious effort to see that and then address them by their names, yeah. and that j- tends to lead into other conversations. It 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 sort of like lessens the the pressure or the challenge of looking at this stranger or whatever uh if i see something on their side people do the same thing with me they see something that like uh if i wear my saved ferris shirt they'll say bueller you know and that opens (laughs) up a conversation and i'm like okay i'm i'll engage this person um different things i look for uh sometimes i say hi to people they don't say hi back i don't hold that against them yeah um but generally, I study name tags. So my girls said, t- told their mom, I said, Dad knows everybody. How does he know everybody? And, and she's like, oh, he knows their name. So now my youngest will look at name tags yeah. and, and, and go she's see that. She's got that gift, yeah. too. She's got that um, gift. <laughs> some people will say, man, you talk funny. Where are you from? That opens up another opportunity right. for me to say, well, that's none of your business. <laughs> and then I'll tell them, and they might say, oh, yeah, I went to, the, I was in the military with a Samoan guy. He's big. He's, 
uh, he was really nice. And I'm like, hey. So then we have conversations. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. I've really enjoyed spending some time thank with you. you. And I appreciate just your thoughts and insights to things. So thanks a lot. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you. Mm-hmm.